London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where Open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG. Open makes more possible. Episode 16, Kings of the Podcast, John Hoven and Dennis Bernstein, DB. Happy holidays, John. It's getting to that time. It, it is. It is quickly approaching. We have Christmas. We have Hanukkah. We and have all sorts of stuff. It's been a while. It has been. Well, the Kings went out on the road, so yeah. we took a little bit of a, a separation there. But uh, I don't know. I, separation anxiety. Is it kicked <laughs> in yet? Did you miss me, DB? Totally. 100%, okay. man. You know? I don't feel like I we ever were separate. as a matter of fact. <laughs> oh. It's a reunion gift. What do you what do you put the over under on? How many times do we normally text like in a, in a given day? Like if you added up the total number of texts, it's like 10, 20? Yeah, no, I think 10. Yeah, 10 cuz I feel like I talk to you every day, so I don't really ever yeah, get separation it's check in. There's something absurd that we need to discuss usually. Usually Twitter related? Yes. <laughs> Did you see true. this nonsense? Right, right, the Drew Doughty trade for Oh, okay, please give me a break. Uh, look, let's get started DB. We have so much to cover, a lot going on in in Kingsland. Uh Episode 16, though, we're going to feature Colin Frazier as a special guest. One of the glue guys from the championship years, for sure. One of my absolute favorite yes. people to talk to from the 2012 uh, Cup years. High on that Mayor's Manor list. Well, I mean, if you were a Mayor's Manor reader back then, the yeah. stuff that we would get with Frazier was pure gold. The Nickelback yeah. stuff and him <laughs> chirping his teammates. And, right. um, I mean, he scored one of the biggest goals in franchise Agreed. history. There's yeah. just there's so much story he was also part of the Ryan Smith trade. Right. So, I mean, there's just a lot Real, there with Colin Frazier. Yeah. Um, we're going to do some numer uh, numerology to set up Colin Frazier coming in. But, DB, two quick things first. Um, I, I I didn't tell you this. This was a secret. I was saving Secrets. for the show. When I was in Anaheim recently, I ran into Jeff Solomon. You he, did. He was solo. I hop. I was in the elevator first. <laughs> and it's a blind corner to get in the elevator right, there. And right, so right. He, Which is different than in L.A. But sure. he, he rounds the blind corner, and I'm already in the elevator. <laughs> it's me him and the elevator attendant that's oh, it and it was no one protection. of those it was one of those weird moments but you should have seen his eyes about bugged out of his head when he hopped in the elevator and realized it was just the two of us did he have the briefcase he did have the briefcase oh. he did he did and so we took an elevator ride down we had a nice little chat uh it was cordial it was almost uncomfortable small talk because right. he knew that i was going to grab that briefcase any minute it's like mission impossible it was right. but but here's the problem the the ride down is so short and right when the elevator doors open there's security about every 10 feet as you're walking yes. back to the locker room yep. so he was safe but boy <laughs> that walk must have felt you like sweated it. him for sure i think he was nervous i really do because then he kind of peeled off and went into like a little <laughs> secret room that nobody else seemed to be in but he just he had to get away so uh, jeff solomon you got away that We're still time. on the hunt boy we, yeah. we haven't given up i'm coming i'm coming uh, and I also do just want to touch uh, base because Kale Clegg was called up finally, yes. uh, as people of this show remember, um, and followers of Mayor's Manor. He was going to get called up last year. He broke his foot right. the night before he was getting called up. What terrible timing. Uh, but he did get his first call up, made his debut uh, with the LA Kings in Buffalo. 
Uh, interesting note, though. The, one of the reasons that Paul Ledoux was sent down does have to do, it's one of those little rule details. Right. Um, they needed to send him down inside of the window before the roster freeze, freeze because if right. they would have kept him and then tried to send him down, he would have had to go through go waivers, waivers again right. because he had the 10 games or 30 days. Right. Uh, so he cleared, just to back up because I'm probably going too quickly, he cleared waivers previously. Correct. Once a player clears, clears waivers, waivers, that you he no longer have to clear again. He doesn't have to clear to come up. Right. But if he's on an NHL roster for 30 days or 10 games, and then you try to send him down, you have to send him Spose through waivers him again. again. Right. So they had to do it before that window closed, Got which it. worked out perfect. You get Kale Clegg up, yep. uh, which is a nice Christmas present for him as well. So um, let's get into number 24, DB. That's sure. the number that Colin Frazier wore here in Los Angeles. Uh, there were a number of players that have worn uh, uh, this number here in LA. Uh, going back to 1971, Mike Byers was one of the first people uh, to wear that number. And then you had Jay Wells, who was one of the early guys that people would probably yes. remember the most. He wore it in 1980 all the way through 1988. Uh, Jay Wells, of course, Wasn't had... Wasn't he one of the King's legends? I was Jay just going to mention that. he was. A, did they do a bobblehead for him, too? Maybe. I think they might have, actually. I, I have to go back and take a look. But yes, he was one of the King's legends knights. He played a, a long time uh, in Los Angeles. Probably wore that number, I would think, longer than just about anybody else because of his, his run Tenure, there from yeah. 1980 mm -hmm. to 1988. Um, you had Miko Makala, an LA King's favorite. He wore that number uh, back in 1990. I don't remember that, but uh, he, he did... He did wear that number. And then Mark Hardy wore the number from 93 to 94. I want to come back to Hardy in just a second. Sure. Let me uh, run through the rest of this list. Uh, Michelle Petit wore it in 95 to 96. You're a diehard Kings fan if you remember him. <laughs> Nathan Lafayette, you're an even more of a diehard LA Kings fan. I'm sure Luke remembers Nathan I Lafayette. Nathan. He used to play for the Blues, too. Yeah, okay. Decent right. player. 90, Decent 96 six. to 99. Six guy, Nathan yeah. Lafayette. Yeah, not, not, as, uh, not as random as Michelle Petit. Yeah. Uh, Adam Mayer, uh, 2001 to 2002. Do you know the connection there? Adam Mayer came over. No. Buffalo? Uh, oh, I thought he was part of the Blake deal. No? Okay, maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, there were so many players that came uh, over in that Colorado trade. Lubo wore the number in 2001. Lubomir Vishnovsky, of course. Um, I think more people remember him as 17. 17, right. Yeah, but I guess he wore 24 uh, briefly. Uh, Froloff, of course, wore the number 2003 to 2010. Mr. Wraparound, let's and go. And Mr. Sweater. Nobody loves a good sweater <laughs> like Alex Froloff, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, I, well, second only to Jared Stoll. So, Stoley yeah, does love yeah, his sweaters. Yeah, yes, he does. Um, although He's so preppy these days. I, ha I was just going to say, I haven't seen him wearing as many sweaters. Now, granted, it hasn't been that cold, but... Nothing beats the time when Stoli, and I tweeted this out so long ago, many, many years ago, nothing beats the time when he had the sweater, him and uh, uh, Scotty Hartnell, they were at the Giants game in the World Series. Yeah. I pretty much disowned Stoll at that point. He had the oh, Giants, yeah, that, Giants yeah. hat on, yeah. and that, that took years for me to forgive him. So <laughs> Stoli's proudly back you can't in. betray that trust he's in he's in he's in good graces again the giants of all teams uh, right yeah, i mean come on stoli get it together line, get it to, and, and his and his and his uh his comment when i asked him about it was so typical stoli he's like you know when you go to someone's house you kind of have to respect their you know it, i was there i was trying to be respectful no you're being disrespectful stoli no you do not wear the hated ones <laughs> right. on your dome Okay, so uh, yeah, we'll have to see how sweater uh, Stoli's sweater game is coming up here in the winter. <laughs> Colin Frazier won the things that we talk about on this show. It's, it's not even it's not even on the we lineup. Entertain <laughs> and inform. Let's it just it comes to us though. Yeah, it's not even learn. something we discuss ahead no, of time. That's, right. that's why it makes it so great. That's why the chemistry is here. I never expected to be talking about sweaters <laughs> on today's show. Stoli sweaters. Uh, Colin Frazier from 2012 to 2014, of course, and then most recently, 24 is. 
Uh, Derek Forbert. Derek Forbert, of course. Yes, uh, has been wearing it, and we'll have to remain. We'll have to see how much longer no, he's going to be no, wow. wearing that number. Unrestricted free agent, and if yeah, he makes rough. it back from his injury his situation, stuff, yep. best of luck in the uh, in the recovery there. But what I wanted to note about uh, Mark Hardy, I, I said I would get yeah. back to it. He is perhaps the only player in LA Kings history, DB, who actually wore four different numbers with the really? Kings. He wore number five. He wore number twenty six. He wore. Uh, I'm sorry. He did not wear number five. I'm sorry. That was. I was an S on my paper. He wore. <laughs> he, wore he wore four different numbers. Those numbers would be 26, 20, five, and twenty four. And someday we'll have to ask Hardy why he wore number five because apparently he had a uh, he had a liking for numbers in the twenties and then five slipped in there. So twenty six, twenty five, twenty four. Twenty as well, right? Obviously. Yeah, he but there's there's photo proof of him wearing twenty really? because uh, the King historian. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter yeah, or not, but he really is a great uh, King's historian. He actually sent me pictures of Hardy wearing twenty six, twenty five, and twenty four. So four different numbers, and I can't think of any other player that would have worn four different no. numbers. We've had a couple guys on that we've talked with that have worn you know a few different numbers, Two or three, but I don't know. Four, four is, is yeah, it's different. So for a uh, guy who's been tenured, I mean, had played a long time with. Them. Yeah, four different numbers. Um, had a uh, couple different tours of duty with the Kings, if I remember correctly. But still, four different numbers is interesting. Obviously, twenty uh, he couldn't come back to because somebody <laughs> else ended up taking that number, and he would have had to pick a different number. And uh, briefly, he had picked five, and then at the end there, he was wearing twenty-four with Los Angeles. So we'll have to talk to Harpo and find out what the story is behind those four numbers. That would be like an extended. Uh, edition of it Kings of the be. Podcast just It'd to go through all numerology. <laughs> numerology X, would yeah. take up uh, four periods just it to talk about just, just just for just for Mark Hardy. Be a different podcast. Uh, Kings could, of the numerology. Oh, okay. This well, is the last minute of play. We could do period. that, but hey, with Colin Fraser coming up in the second period, let's get it after it. DB, uh, we have yeah. some great music lined up as well. Uh, some holiday Nickelback? tunes. Nickelback. No, ah, you know, I just couldn't do it. Couldn't I'm sorry. Do it. I, I, I know. As much as I love Fraz, well, and I just, you do, man. It's I mean, it's top, bad enough that you guys. want to play the the Backstreet Boys. We're not playing Nickelback on the show, okay? <laughs> so, uh, Colin Fraser coming up in the second period. Stick around. We'll be right back. On camera. Anything for the Welcome back to the second period. Kings of the podcast, Dennis Bernstein, John Hoven, and joining us now, Colin Fraser. Fraz, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Long time no uh, talk. Yes, it has been a while. Uh, you're one of my favorite people, though, to text and just to talk former uh, Kings stories with. Of course, you were around during the cup run. You have several rings, actually. We can talk a little bit about that. But uh, as we as we get started here, let's just first talk about what you're up to nowadays uh, so that people can, can get up to speed with what you've been doing since you left L.A. Uh, left L.A. I played a couple more years. I went uh, to the minors, to the Wolves, went to Germany, kind of plugged around. And I hung them up probably uh, four years ago now. It seems like uh, not that long ago, but time flies. And for two years, I did kind of, I like to tell people I was a lost soul. And I, I was kind of trying to find my way in that life after hockey. And uh, it's not always easy. You know, you identify a long time, really, your whole life. And uh, trying to make that transition wasn't, uh, I wouldn't say it was a fun time, but uh, I'm currently scouting for the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. So, Two years into retirement, I started making some calls, and I did call Rob Blake and the Kings as well. And uh, 
not so much looking for a scouting job per se, but just said, Hey, I want to get back into hockey. Uh, do you have anything, uh, that kind of stuff. And, uh, a spot opened up with the, with the Blackhawks out West as a Western amateur scout. So, uh, I'm on year two of that and really, really enjoying it and, uh, having lots of fun with it. Really happy to be back in the hockey world. How difficult is it to transition from being a player to a scout? You see so many guys go into the development side of things, but now you're watching hockey, and of course, having played hockey, uh, it, it's kind of like coaching in that sometimes your frustration comes through when you see guys doing things that, that you did or couldn't do. What's, what's that transition like? Have you found it to be frustrating as equal uh, to, the, to the excited part of being back in the game? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's frustrating. Uh, um probably more frustrating for coaches because they live it every day for us scouts. It's just, it's almost frustrating in the sense player X could be so much better than he is. Um, you know, his skill set's good, his skating's good, but then he does these bonehead plays or whatever it may be, or his work ethic isn't good or, or whatever it is. And, uh, I always come back, I guess as a scout now, the one thing that I, I just, I appreciate my own career more now than I did when I was playing. And I say that because there's only 700 jobs or whatever it is in the entire world. So when we watch kids every year, it's like how many kids get drafted? 200. How many of them make it? Not very many. So it's, I just realized how hard it is to be in the NHL, whether you're a first liner or the 13th forward filling a role. Um, so that's the biggest uh, learning thing or at least appreciation uh, I've had since scouting. Uh, finding players, you just go with your gut. I mean, I played the game. I understand the game. I know a good player from a bad player just uh, having the best seat in the house for six years in the NHL. And uh, the, the transition in that sense wasn't too hard, but, but it's definitely a learning curve and watching the game through a different lens. We could talk about, you know, some of those great players all day long. We could talk about the Kopitar and Brown and Dowdy and those guys. But who's a player that you played with that you just think is, you know, uh, underappreciated for just maybe how great they really were as a player and maybe even could have contributed more if they were given a sort of a larger role with the club? Yeah, well, L.A., um, Trevor Lewis all day long. I think uh, he wins the Unsung Hero Award every year. Every year I did anyway amongst his peers and, I think that says a lot of what your peers think of you. He doesn't always get on the score sheet, um, but he does all those little things right that make him an NHLer. So working hard, blocking shots, brings it every night, good guy in the room, all those things. Uh, you know, you don't win with players like that. And I think every, you know, every winning team, they always have guys like that. Uh, Matt Green, he's just a warrior, right? So you don't win with Matt Green on the blue line. And, and even in, 14 maybe he doesn't play 30 minutes a night he doesn't score on the score sheet but he brings these intangibles that uh every team needs so i think those two guys right away in la come to mind we had a guy in uh chicago matt walker i always tell a story he's the toughest guy i've ever played hockey with because i saw him get his finger frozen for about 14 straight playoff games because he had a broken finger and i don't know if anyone knows matt walker but he went on to play in tampa bay and then uh but just a number six D-man, block shots, do whatever it takes. and Nobody ever talks about him, and if you ask most fans, they wouldn't even know who he is. But uh, I remember him well as a teammate because he's a good guy and he does those little things well. You know, you and I first met, I, I think it was about 24 or 48 hours after you were traded to Los Angeles. We met in the weirdest of places, I don't know if you remember this, on the field 
at Dodger Stadium. I remember it being Rich Clune. <laughs> That's right. It was you and Rich Clune, and it was it was kind of a surreal moment because you had just had surgery. Uh, one of those rare times when an organization acquires a player that you know has an injury. But you you came over in the in the Ryan Smith deal. Um, but just what what were your thoughts when you first heard you were coming to the LA Kings? Well, excitement for one, but then like knowing that I still have to prove myself and make a team. So. It's coming off a year in Edmonton where we were 30th place by a landslide. I personally didn't have a good year, uh, and I finished with a broken foot. And long story short, uh, I get traded to L.A., and they tell me I need surgery. So it was kind of like a um, little bit of adversity, uh, not knowing I needed the surgery until July, and then knowing that I won't be ready until September. So as a guy on the bubble, fourth-line player, in and out of the lineup who wasn't allowed to do a squat from March until camp started in September. I was a little bit worried um, about how the chips would fall. And uh, I give the Kings credit and Dean Lombardi, especially just be patient and, and giving me the opportunity. Never once did I ever feel like I wasn't part of the team, even though we started the year with uh, 15 forwards I was the 15th forward on the IR, um, and I stayed on the IR until about mid-November. And uh, Jamie Compon bag-skated me literally every single day, and it was single-handedly the hardest time of my career, both mentally and physically. It just wasn't easy. Um, and then you guys remember Scott Pars. Uh-huh. So I'll back it up. I went up to Dean's office, and I said, Hey, Dean, I'm, I'm feeling good, feeling healthy. I'm not asking for a trade. I just want to play. So whether that's here or Manchester or wherever you can find me a spot. And uh, he said, give me one week. Give me one week. The next game, Scott Pars gets hurt, blows his hip out for the rest of the season. Uh, and I played the next game, and I never missed a game the rest of the year. So uh, it's just kind of weird how it goes. And, and Terry Murray was still the coach at that time, mm-hmm. so he gave me the opportunity to play, and he liked what I brought. And then... Daryl takes over at Christmas time and I uh, just kind of continued on through. And I just, I was able to fill a role in LA and I really just fit in as far as what was expected of me. And I mean, I'm a guy that scored two goals and all I got told is good job. Keep going. Not, <laughs> Oh, you got to score goals, you know? So I just, it felt as a player, it gives you confidence knowing that you just got to play. And who cares about the score sheet? Just play hard, play in the ozone and don't get scored on. You also scored one very big, memorable goal in the playoffs there in New Jersey. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> Marty Berdera. I don't know if you guys know, but Marty Berdera was in that that game. He's yeah, yeah goal. I kind of remember. So I'm sitting there before the game. So when I played with Edmonton, I scored three goals all year with the Oilers. And two of them were uh, in Jersey on Marty Berdera in the same game. So I, I got the guys before the game, game one. I said, hey, boys, listen up here. I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I've been, <laughs> I've been known to Fraz, score. Is this a real story? Did you really <laughs> this do this? This is 100%, 100% true. Ask anyone who's in the room. Okay. Ask Mike Richards, whoever, Cart, whoever you want to ask. Well, if Mike Richards and, would answer my damn phone call, then I could ask him because I've been uh, texting him to get him on the program, and he's not hey, returning my text. That's up to him. <laughs> that's that's up him. to him. But we'll ask, we'll ask one of the other uh, uh, cohorts soon. But go ahead. Please tell the do. story. Please do. Okay. So I say, uh, boys, I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I've been known to score not one, but two goals on Marty Berdur in this building. Oh, yeah, sure, Brad. Yeah, sure. 
first period and I went out and I scored on them and the boys were just killing themselves laughing in, in between the periods there because they couldn't believe I actually got a shot on that, let alone put one in the net. <laughs> so um, that was a good, that was the biggest goal of my career, I'll tell you that. I, the one that uh, the kids YouTube and can actually see instead of me getting my face punched in on YouTube. So, <laughs> Fraz, how did you not tell me that story back then? You, you were too busy telling me about the latest Nickelback CD oh, that, yeah. that you, you, you didn't tell me about Marty Brodeur but, and, and your, your situation there. That would have been great. You, got, you guys got to, to support Nickelback and take the man to, to, you know, it's like you take a man to admit when he's wrong, you know, like okay. I wasn't the only one listening to these guys. Somebody was buying their You, music, you can so. keep defending your love for Nickelback until the end of time. Uh, DB, you don't even know this story, but one of my all-time favorite text messages, uh, it was in the middle of the summer and Fraz sends me a text saying that he's driving back home and he's yeah. listening to Nickelback. Nickelback. He yeah. just needed to check yeah. in. He just yeah, needed to let it. me know. Status update. Just, yeah, just needed that update. I'm on the road. I'm on the road. Nickelback's road trip, on the radio. Music. Yep. Everything's great. Everything's so good. There you go. It was fantastic. Um, (laughs) Look, the World Junior Championships are coming up. And, Fraz, prior to you scoring three goals in Edmonton, uh, you actually played in the World Juniors back in 2005 for Team Canada. I'm sure you're going to tell us it's the same thing that everybody does, which is just, wow, what a special time to, you know, put that that jersey on and everything. But do you still look forward to the World Juniors now as much as you did back then? Absolutely. I think uh, as Canadians, it's kind of a, it's a Christmas holiday tradition to, um, to watch the world juniors. It's not, it's not just the world juniors. It's just like, it's like every house. Um, seriously, it's like a or culture. It's kind of weird that it's like a holiday tradition to watch team Canada and the world juniors and the best junior kids in the world kind of go at it. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely surreal to be, to be a part of that. And I do, I mean, I was in, it was in Vancouver and Victoria. So now as a scout, I was at it, uh, watching as a scout last year uh, with it being in North America. I'm not going this year because it's over in Europe, but um, it's kind of a lot of life coming full circle. And one of those things, like I can't believe I played in this tournament and I feel fortunate that I did play in the tournament. And of course we were successful. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to out you right now, Fraz. I didn't tell you this ahead of time, but DB, I got to tell you a great story here. So in Vancouver at the world juniors last year, I come down out of the elevator. Now I took my, my oldest son. Yes. And I, now now listen, I took my oldest son with me because I took him to Buffalo to, I wanted him to go to the outdoor game, us Canada the year before he loves the world juniors now. So he wanted to go. So I took him again last year to Vancouver. We come down out of the elevator. We're going to get breakfast. And in the lobby of the hotel, we see Colin Frazier. Of course, Fraz gets, you know, I get excited. He gets excited. Hey, what's up? How you doing? And I introduced him. Well, this is my son. And, and uh, Fraz says, oh, hi, you know, I'm, I'm Colin Frazier. Uh, you know, I played for the LA Kings. And they say, okay, they talk for a couple minutes and we yeah. walk away. And then we get, when we get to breakfast, my son still is, you know, kind of in awe because he's still, he's at that age where he loves to, you know, meeting the players and whatnot. And he starts laughing. I said, what's so funny? He said, dad, he said he played for the LA Kings. Like I didn't know that was Colin <laughs> Frazier. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> he did the same so thing. Some people forget about. <laughs> Nobody no, forgets about you. Not, <laughs> not here in Los Angeles. Look, um, just to take a couple steps backward, though, you 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 praised Dean Lombardi, but I, uh, again, I guess I'm outing you, so I'm sorry. But uh, if you don't mind, you weren't too happy towards the end of your run in LA when he sent you to Manchester. And there was a lot of talk going back and forth. Dean even told me that he planned on calling you back up. Um, but when you went to Manch at that time, can, do, can you talk at all about your frustration? Maybe I'm going to bring that word up again or, or your disappointment, anger. I don't know. Uh, what was the word? Yeah. You know, it wasn't, um, yeah, was I happy about it? No, gosh, no, I wasn't happy about it, but, um, I, I didn't have like hard feelings about it. Like it's a business decision. So, 
some of it, correct me if I'm wrong, but we are carrying 20, at least after the trade deadline. We're, we had salary cap. We've traded for Gabrick, and we were carrying, uh, we weren't even carrying a roster of 23. We were carrying a roster of 22. So there wasn't room, and I don't know, I wasn't getting the job done. I mean, whatever. I, they didn't see me fitting in there, and I wasn't, I, I'd only played 33 games prior to that anyway. Um, I don't know. I'm the kind of guy that I don't, really cry over spilt milk it's like it was what it was i didn't take it personal i didn't like it but mm-hmm. i wasn't sitting there uh saying dean was screwing me by any means i i think uh i'll give them credit uh they're honest with me there was no um gray area there was no um you know non-truthful conversations it was all upfront and and honest and and I respect them for that. I mean, I think in a business where sometimes it can get a little bit gray because mm-hmm. they don't want to, because the truth hurts. I, I never felt that at all. You know, you don't have to like the situation, but you can respect the honesty. And, and, uh, sometimes, I mean, I did get called back up. They lived by it. They called back up, but then we had, um, Willie Mitchell went down. We had three D men go down and then they had to call up, uh, Jeff Schultz, if you guys remember. Mm-hmm. So, so I had to go down. Um, not that they wanted to send me there. It's just, this is how it works. You know, I don't, I didn't play defense. So, um, but when I did get called back up, I played, I didn't play. I dressed every warm up, and, um, I felt like I was a part of the team and they obviously put me in that situation for a reason. And so, although I wasn't playing on the ice, I was still allowed to be in the room and be part of the team. I was, uh, I got a Stanley Cup day. I got uh, a ring. I got everything that came along with it. Um, set my name on the cup. Uh, they went with Jeff Schultz, which is absolutely the right call because I don't think we win without him filling the void for six or seven, maybe even eight games in the middle of that run. I've never asked a player this. What is it like when you skate warm-ups and then, you know, you're not in the game, or even if you know you're not in the game? Is that weird at all that you're out there, you know, you're taking laps and inside the arena and everything, and then you go back and, I don't know, you just you put a suit on 10 minutes later, and that was your that was your night right there? Yeah, it's. I mean, I guess it's weird, but for me, uh, I mean, obviously you want to play, mm-hmm. but it keeps you involved and it keeps you feeling a part of the team, and I liked it. Uh, not to say everyone reacts or thinks that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it. I, I mean, we're in the NHL, you know, like I look back now that I don't play hockey. I can't believe I ever complained about anything. Like that's how I look at it. <laughs> I'm serious guys. I, my, I tell my wife, I'm like, why was I complaining about this? Like big deal, man. Like you're okay. You didn't play today. Like, well then work harder and play tomorrow. That's kind of how, I feel, and I think we, you kind of take it for granted a little bit. We're flying on nice planes, and you're eating good food, and we're still complaining about it. Like, it's unbelievable. So, um, I don't know. That's the dad in me, I guess. Older guy, looking back on it. Not, and I wasn't a big complainer, but just don't take it for granted and just do the best you can in the moment. And to be in warm-up, I think that's part of that good experience. And I get to chew bubble gum and have my hair all gelled up nice and good, you know? <laughs> That's why you play in the NHL. You can go no no bucket warm up. That's it, right there. And and (laughs) there's the quote of the show right there. (laughs) What what about uh, before before we wrap up with you here, uh, Kyle Clifford? um, You've talked before so many times about the the tremendous amount of respect that you have for Cliffy and and what he means to a team and 
we're at this pivotal moment here in Los Angeles right now where he's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. And, you know, do you bring him back? The market's going to give him a long-term or multi-year, not a long-term, but a multi-year deal. Do you bring him back in LA? They're, they're trying to rebuild the organization, you know, and, and guys like Trevor Lewis, who you mentioned earlier, probably going to be dealt and, and Alec Martinez and things like that. But try to explain to, to fans, to people listening, what Kyle Clifford means to the LA Kings and the culture and the fiber of the organization. You, you just said it, the culture and the, the glue and uh, the identity of your team. Um, he's one of those guys. I mean, I, I understand. I mean, the Hawks are, aren't too far ahead of LA in the standings. Um, you want to rebuild or whatever term you want to use, or, you know, you want to get back to the top and you have your core guys. I, I get it, but you need those guys because they're the guys that build the culture for the young guys. Um, when they're coming in, they need to learn and they need to learn hard work and commitment. You know, not everybody is an $11 million player. So when you look at Cliffy and just how he approaches as a pro, uh, both on and off the ice, he, uh, he does everything right. I mean, team first guy, um, just quietly goes about his business, doesn't take days off, doesn't complain, just puts his nose down and does what's right for the team, team first. And I think just from those qualities, um, from a visual standpoint, not even a vocal standpoint, I think young kids can, can learn If This guy can do it this hard this many years later than I can do it this hard, uh, as a 19, 20 or 21 year old. So, I sat with Cliffy on every airplane, sat together in the locker room. We were, we were pretty close when he played there, and he's quite a bit younger than me, but now he's got three kids and he's crazy like life. And he's like taking he after you like with me. the three kids, for sure. We got along very well, me and Cliffy, and we played we played a lot of minutes together and we had a lot of laughs and a lot of fights and all the above. So, um, Wait a minute, you guys, you guys had fights? What would you and Cliffy argue about? Well, well, I meant more like fights on the ice, not not with each other. Okay. All but right. one time he asked me to fight when I was in Edmonton, and I kindly declined because <laughs> he, he's got the eyes, the squirrely eyes that yeah. like he looks like he's gonna kill someone. And uh, and then in the intermission, I'm like, who's this guy? Because I didn't know who. You got to read the game notes, you know. You got to know who you're fighting. And uh, one of the guys is like, no, 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 he's tough. Don't fight him. I said, okay, that's all I needed to hear. And he was only 19 years old. So he was a man child. Yeah, man child. Man, child, I love Cliffy. Love him to death. He's the best. I love how uh, Paul Bissonette has changed his tune over the years. Early on, when he would do interviews on Mayor's Manor, he tried to tell me the story that, that Cliffy jumped him in a pregame and all this stuff, and, and this is when he was still playing with the Coyotes, and like now that he's retired, Biz is like, yeah, that's not exactly what happened. Like I just really didn't want to fight him. He was, he was tough as nails. You know? <laughs> he was. He is, and, he, and he'd do it any time. Like, if somebody comes barking on my tree, he'd skate right over there. Like, I'm right here. Noel, Jordan Nolan's the same way. Like, they kind of look out for each other, you know? Like, if uh, – I know there's not a lot of fighting anymore, but if a big, tough guy's coming after me, I'd send him over to one of those two guys, and they're more than happy to, to engage. But then, of course, that guy doesn't want to fight those guys. Right. He only wants to fight me. It's really funny how that works. But um, <laughs> well, Cliffy it goes just, to show the respect those guys have, too, though. Seriously. Well, Cliffy just did it the other day. Uh, there was a game, I forget, was it the Calgary game, TB, where, where he didn't even see the hit in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't even see what happened, but he went out there and, Over there, yeah. and he was, you he know, made when an I. Investigation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, oh, yeah. For that he, hit. You, did you see the clip of this where he, he uh, wanted to fight no. the guy? 
No, during during a timeout, like like the the game wasn't even going on. They're yeah. the, during the, the TV ice, timeout, yeah, the, they dropped them. The ice crew <laughs> is out there cleaning the ice, and Cliffy had to go out and take care of business because he said that he didn't want to wait. He he that something wrong had happened, and he needed to take care of it right then. Yeah, on his time and he schedule. Should. <laughs> and we talk about the skill the NHL is. There's still that element. I I really think that element is very very important, and I don't necessarily mean fighting. But I do mean uh, intimidation or just letting you know you're there. Like mm-hmm. putting uh, the doubt in the back of guys' minds that Kyle Clifford, in this case, or player X, Y, or Z is out here and he, he will hurt you if he gets the opportunity within the rules. I don't mm-hmm. mean dirty, mm-hmm. but he'll play hard. And I think you look at St. Louis winning the Cup last year. You think they're a soft team? No. Like there's, they're not right. soft. They're a hard team. Even their top players – are hard players and they're skilled players, but Ryan O'Reilly's a hard player. He's hard on puck battles. He's hard to play against. He doesn't fight or hit you into the third row, but we can't just be skating around on lily pads out there, toe dragging left and right. Don't work. So it doesn't (laughs) win anyway. So, Hey, I tell the kids that I run these hockey camps. I'm like, guys, I played in the NHL. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That how many toe drags do you think I did? And they're like, Oh, 10, 20, 50, a thousand, zero. Zero toe drags, guys. I did a grand total of zero toe drags my whole NHL career. You don't need them. doesn't work. So. Tell, tell us a little bit, though, about what you are up to before we let you run here. Uh, stuff, it's, yeah. it's called Schoolu. Is that Am I pronouncing it correct? School U. So School it's a company U. I've yeah, joined on the side. And long story short, it, it basically connects um, not just hockey players. I help on the hockey side, but it's all sports, music, um, uh, anything. I mean, hockey, we're getting into horse jumping, all kinds of stuff. And so have you signed up for the Help You With Music? Because, I mean, with your music. Oh, <laughs> no, you didn't. Yeah, I did. You, you just did that. I did it because this yeah, no, is Mr. Nickelback. <laughs> I, guess I, I guess I teed him up for that one so I can take it. <laughs> um, so you, it's basically an online platform, and what it is is connecting uh, not only to coaches but the best coaches in their field. So we have uh, Steph Curry's basketball coach. They have Thomas uh, Thomas, um, Roger Federer's uh, tennis coach. They have uh, the best hockey coaches, uh, skills coaches, this is. Mm-hmm. And you can be connected to these coaches, whether you're a kid or a aspiring pro or just a, a beer league player that wants the best instruction. Um, uh, I, the reason I got involved is I feel in my career, I, didn't, uh, re- I regret not investing in myself more whether that be skating lessons, uh, skill work. I worked hard, and I worked in the gym hard, and I worked on the ice hard, but I think I could have worked smarter. So the way the game's trending and all sports are trending, it's like the specialization of coaches, especially mm-hmm. for the um, elite athlete across all fields. And um, that's the reason why I got involved. So you can go on there, www.schoolusool, the letter U.com. And you can, I mean, you can book consults, you can book packages, you can book, it's kind of the sky's the limit. It kind of works with you and, and what works for you and kind of work together to build a big package. So people can, can contact and work with you directly. So if they wanted to, to, to do a session with you, they would do that? Correct. Wow. Okay. Correct. So, so think about, you know, little Johnny wants uh, coaching from Colin Fraser. We can do it two ways. Uh, depends on your budget. You could do it in person. Um, Coach X will fly to you, or you fly to them, or whatever. This is maybe in the off season, um, or we got like a, our own um, software program, much like FaceTime, and you could do it over video chat. Um, 
that kind of stuff. Or you can even do video review. So send your game footage in or your skills footage in and the coach can uh, critique tips, um, improvements, whatever. Really, it's just uh, many different ways to make to make it work or you can do all the different ways. And it kind of just depends on what you would uh, like and what you're looking for. And that's across all sports. It's not the hockey. I just help on the hockey side, but there's football, baseball. we got uh, Brett Boone just signed on to be a baseball coach. They got, uh, uh, geez, all kinds of guys, the top coaches in their field. It's really, really cool platform, and it's really growing. Yeah, it sounds interesting for sure. We'll have to we'll have to promote that and try to get some some people to uh, look into that more. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. We can't let you run though without asking about Jared Anderson Dolan. You've been scouting in the WHL. Did you get a chance to see him play a little bit? And just sort of what did you th- what do you think about the player? Uh, you know, in general. Yeah. So the first name that comes to mind, I think I texted you this. Uh, Jared Stoll, yeah, kind of player for me. He's my comparable for him. Um, not a high end skill guy. So not a, not a first line centerman, but a guy that plays 200 feet skates very well and is super competitive and super engaged. So, um, although I've never met the player, I've heard about him and how much work he puts in off the ice, much like Stoli. Stoli was, uh, the specimen of a human. If you saw him with his shirt off. So, uh, his commitment to details and his commitment to 200 foot play. Um, and then his skating ability, I think, uh, He's kind of got a little bit of everything, and I think he, he'll be an NHLer for, for sure, and I think he'll be a good one. Yeah. Fraz, thank you so much for your time. You've always been there for me. I appreciate it, and uh, it's, it's great talking with you. We could book you for, for three hours. I guess we're going to have to go to school you, and bu- we just yep. want to book a, a podcast session <laughs> for yeah, three hours crazy. with Let's Colin go. Frazier. <laughs> it's funny you say that. I say, gosh, I like hockey more now than I played because I talk about it all the damn time, and I, I really enjoy it. So anytime, happy to, happy to help, happy to come on. Well, happy holidays. Enjoy it with your family and uh, your wonderful kids, and uh, we'll talk soon, buddy. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with D.B., and the mayor. Third period. Here we go. DB, uh, outstanding conversation guy, there. Was, he delivered the goods. What a great guy. Hey, Colin Frazier, you heard the clip there, stood on the ice after they won the cup in 2012. Anything for the mayor. And that was not just him being funny. That, that dude is legit. Anytime I need anything Total, from him. Yeah. You have uh, a great relationship with that guy, as you do with many players. So, no, no surprise at all that... And, and that salient moment when he's a cup, he's giving props to the mayor. It's fantastic. Yeah. It kind of, you know, it's one of those moments that sort of jolts you. So you have your interview questions lined up and you yeah. want to talk to him. It's like, anything for the mayor? He's screaming in the camera. I said, okay, well, thanks. You know, and then I had to regroup there, you know. Exactly. But just what a solid guy. And uh, it's funny. I do, I, I, yeah, I met him on the and, field and, at Dodger Stadium with Rich Clune because it was, they had some of the Kings. I think they had Stoli yeah. out actually too. Um, with and a here's, sweater or no? Uh, no, no sweater. I think, I don't remember. Okay, Stoli's thrown the first pitch out a couple times and I yeah. don't remember if it was that game or a different one where we were all chirping Stoli because he brought his own glove. So he's like, he's doing, <laughs> he's, he's doing warm up toss oh, yeah. <laughs> with his own glove. And well, that was fantastic. I don't think that was the one. That was, that was with Rich Clune. Um, and yeah, Frazier's standing and there in a, in a boot. He had a boot on. Oh, really? He literally just had surgery the day before. 
Yeah. And he's there. And it's great to see him. You know, look, he was really transparent and honest about his time, after, you know, way stepping away from the game. So it's, it's good to see him get up back on track. And it sounds like he's certainly passionate about the project he's working on right now. Yeah, absolutely. And he's uh, scouting for the Blackhawks as well. So um, unfortunately, we couldn't get too many tips on some of the players for the 2020 draft because, he, you know, he, he, yeah. he's loyal to the Blackhawks yeah. now. So we can it's talk to him. to the paycheck. I get it. <laughs> hey, aren't we all? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> we, can, uh, we can chat with him after the 2020 draft and get some scouting tips, perhaps, if the Kings take anybody from the WHL in the third period today DB let's talk about some of the polls Uh, Pola Palooza was alive and well cranking away on Twitter Uh, we fired off a bunch of questions let's go through some of them here one of the questions for the fans was what would you prefer now this uh, has to do with what do you prefer the Kings do for the balance of the season what do you want to see how important are wins versus losses and all that sort of stuff because with the Kings winning you know this DB Twitter goes bananas (laughs) and after that win in Boston it's yeah. it's like Stanley Cup fever. And people, <laughs> we mentioned it on on uh, hot stuff. You, you guessed it with me today. Uh, thanks for coming in a little bit early to do that. But yeah, playoff push, John. Let's go. Yeah. So here's how the fans. Here's how playoff they voted. Push. Uh, yeah, right. Fifty <laughs> playoff push. We're talking playoffs. We need to get. We need someone to say that. Oh boy. Uh, the t- are you play? You want them to play for a top five draft pick? Fifty percent of the fans responded with that. That's good. Fifty okay. percent. That's good. Ten percent said make a playoff push. Now I'm wondering if if the numbers buyer, I'm the num- buyer at the trade. Deadline. I'm wondering if they, yeah, yeah, be buy. What are they going to buy? Uh, Mountain Dew and apples. That's what they should buy. Um, <laughs> playoff push ten percent. I'm actually DB. I'm be honest. I thought the number was going to be higher. I think that people were scared to pay. I think they wanted to, but they were like afraid they we would out, out them. Yeah, or something. But here's the part that scared me, DB. Um, one of the other options on this poll was just let the team be competitive and let the chips fall where they may. 39% said that. And those 39% scare me because they're not listening to what we've been saying. That is the worst possible outcome. If you end up in the middle of the the pack, no, and and then you're in the middle of the pack, right? Mm -hmm. You either want to be in the playoffs and get that playoff revenue for the organization first round and out, right? But at least you made, you you get some experience for some of the kids in the playoffs and you get the revenue from the gate or you want to be in the top five, but being in that middle layer, mm. just Mediocre's outside. death. D- 12, league. yeah, finishing 12th, no, you know, terrible. I mean, look, they should trade the guys that need to trade. They will. Bring up the young kids. They will. They'll have growing pains. They'll they will. They'll lose games. Who cares? It doesn't matter. That's to stay the course and not do anything and stay with the guys you have makes, uh, I mean, DB if, they, DB, if they don't trade some of those guys near the trade deadline, uh, we may have to shut this podcast yeah, down. I, I, I'm I, I, definitely going to shut my Twitter account exactly. down because I, I can't deal with it anymore. Let's go, RB. All right, let's move on. Yeah. Um, Gabe Velarde. What would you like to see the Kings do with Gabe Velarde? And there were some interesting choices there. I was very scared to make one of them <laughs> call him up right now because I knew somebody was going to pick that. Right. Uh, please don't call him up right now. Please, Rob Blake, I know you're listening. Do not call up Gabe Velarde, despite what Twitter may tell you. Right. Uh, these were the top three answers on the board calling him up right now was not one of the top three. Good. So it was a very even split DB 33%, 31 yeah. and 29. That's wow. like one third, one third, one third, four. Um, call him up after the trade deadline. In other words, after you clear a roster spot, right. call him up. Then a third of the people wanted to see that a third of the people said, um, let him just come up for like the final five games of the year, which is what I think they're going to do. Okay. And then um, the third option or the people selected was, uh, let him play in the AHL all season. Just yeah. keep him there, regardless of what happens with the Kings. Mm-hmm. Keep him in the mm-hmm. AHL. One third, one third, one third was the split there. Where do you fall on this? Um, 
I think you got to give if he progresses the way he has, mm-hmm. give him a little taste in April. Yeah, five games that are inconsequential. Reward him for hanging in there for all the stuff of the last eighteen months that he had to, to heal back. Give him a little taste, a little bit of reward. His some of his teammates will probably all be already be up after the trade deadline, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, when they clear out some roster spots. Um, wouldn't be against him coming up after on the trade deadline, but depending on how the team is playing, and I, I don't want to have a situation where if they're going to regress to be him to be a major part of the regression. Mm-hmm. So the last five games will be fun. It'll excite the fans, build towards the next season. So I, I like that option as well. Yeah, I think it needs to be at least a couple of weeks after the trade deadline. First of all, the trade deadline day itself, you need him on the AHL roster because right. if Ontario was to make um, the playoffs, right. yeah, so you're going to see those what we call paper transactions. Right. You're going to see guys like Matt Luff go down so that he can be on the AHL the roster. Right. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. But I think you just want to get a couple of weeks away from the trade deadline yeah. because it, it, it could... It's, uh, it could be emotional time if guys like Alec Martinez end up yeah. leaving or Trevor Lewis, you know, mainstays on the LA Kings roster, uh, right. even Tyler Toffoli. If right. those guys end up leaving, it's going to... the room be, will be a little bit more That's emotional. what I'm saying. Let, let, let the healing, you know, happen. Right. Um, not that, you know, everything is healed in two weeks, but get a little bit away. No, don't, you don't need yeah. to do it, I think, the, the day immediately after. Agreed. All right, question number three. On Speaking of that, um, on the UFA front, so the Kings have several uh, UFAs coming up. Who would you like to see the Kings trade first? Tyler Toffoli, uh, Trevor Lewis, Paul Ledoux, or Derek Forbert? 61% said Tyler Toffoli. I am shocked by that, DB. 61% Toffoli, 17% Lewis. Um, somehow 13% picked Paul Ledoux. I don't know why you want to trade Paul Ledoux for what, like a conditional fifth-round pick? Right. What's the hurry? Uh, Derek Forbert, 9%. So why are you shocked at 61% of Toffoli? Um, Could you think Lewis should go first? I, I because so many people seem to tweet, um, and maybe it was just a recency bias. They tweet me and they're saying, you know, they should resign to Foley. Sign him now yeah. because he's and, producing exactly. You know, and Todd's going to figure him out and look what he's doing. And That's you know, why you should si- trade him. Sign him. Sign him to a two or three year deal with some reasonable cap money. That's what people are saying now. And so I was surprised that sixty one percent said trade him first. I, I actually. Um, don't think that he should be the first to be traded. I would wait as long as possible on Tyler because I don't think his trade value is going to yeah. go down. I think it only is going to increase. Look, uh, here's my take on that. And I've said this... A hundred times? <laughs> consistently. I won't say a hundred okay. times. Right? Uh, Rob has a price for this guy. If he gets a call with that price, trade him. Totally. That's it. Done. Over. If it's now, if it's February 24th, I get it. And, and can he hold us? And the good luck, the one luxury about this team who is not contending, and folks, they're not going to contend, is that you can wait till the February 24th. Mm-hmm. You can make the market, right? Mm-hmm. And, and But if Tyler scores another three or four goals, you know, has another streak like he did the last couple of games, he didn't score today in Buffalo, um, you're going to get calls. You're going to get, because they want It's more a very thin market also, DB. That's yeah, one, that's something working Once in all, LA's what, favor. John, Dave wrote a, uh, Dave Pagnotta wrote an article on the uh, fourth period this week. The top three forwards right now from a rental standpoint are Chris Carter, Pajot in Ottawa, and Tyler DeFoley. Like, that's that's first, the market, DB. That's the market, and that makes it that makes February 24th for guys like James Duffy and Elliot Freeman really scary, unless you're going to be trading players with term on it. Mm-hmm. But those are the top three rentals forward-wise. So that, that helps the Kings yes. because there isn't a lot out there, and Tyler is finally making the realization that, oh, I do have to earn a contract next year, and I'm probably losing some money here. So at, at game 31 or 32, it's kind of clicked in that, He's got to play better. So, yeah, I agree. So, so Rob's got the luxury here, but I think you can't mess around either. If you get, if you establish a price and they've been working the phones and you get that price, whether no matter when it is, you make the deal at that point in time. You don't think you hold out for a little bit more. 
Okay. Well, someone's going to have to pony up then because I believe that the price is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of around a second round draft pick and a prospect is what I think yeah. they'll probably end up with. It might be a third and a conditional, conditional right, with, with the prospect. Second, right. So if you get some, uh, you know, ver- version, some variation of a yeah. deal like that, um, it, absolutely. Do it. And no one's going to give you a first round draft pick. But let me tell no, you, no. if somebody picks up the phone right now and offers that first rounder, you know, oh. he's gone. So he's, he'll drive him to the airport <laughs> or pay for his Uber. Yeah. All right. Uh, and, and somebody said to me the other day, I was talking with somebody uh, yeah. in, in, in hockey management, an NHL person, and they were saying, like, you, you have to come to grips with the fact that Toffoli's going to score 25 goals for somebody right. else. Agreed. And I said, great. Awesome. Like, that's, I, I hope he scores 30 goals every year for the next five years. It's great. just not going to be in Los Angeles. No. And he was saying, well, you know, yeah, but you have to be careful because Blake's going to take some heat because some Kings fans will say, see, that we never should have traded him. I said, no, people, you can't think that way. No. You have to think about what is in the best interest of the team today. And once those players are gone, you wish them well. I yeah. hope Toffoli gets three Stanley Cups and scores 30 goals for the next five seasons. Yeah. You just, if you're, if you're Rob Blake, if you're the general manager of the LA Kings, you cannot resign Tyler Toffoli because the market will pay him more. Yes. They agreed. will give him the term and the money They'll he's looking the five for. Five over five. My five for over five. Will they? Will somebody really give him five at five? Will they? Depends what he does in after the trade. Depends As of today, right team. now. No. Okay. No. All right. I want to make sure that you're not. But, you're not but I'm assuming he's going to go to a better team with a second line center that could probably deliver him the puck. What if he played third line somewhere and he didn't, you know? If he's going to play third line, it's not getting $5 million a year. I, I agree. All right, of the veterans, so we talked about some of the UFAs, but there are also some vets on this team that could be traded. That would be Alec Martinez, Jeff Carter, Jonathan Quick, Mm -hmm. perhaps. Um, So the way those votes split, Alec Martinez was at 39%, Jeff Carter 33%, and uh, Quick was at 20%. You didn't put Drew Doughty in there? I did not. Uh, I left him off. I'm sorry. (laughs) Despite those one trade rules. Yeah, come on, come on. Of those three... um, Oh, boy. interesting mix because I personally feel that is a perfect, almost perfect representation of Kings fans right there. Right. That, that the player who received a healthy amount of votes, but the least of the three, 27% was Jonathan. That was the context of the question, like at the deadline trade, as opposed to trading him in the draft. Uh, I, I think I just said of these three veterans, okay. who would you like to see traded first? First, okay, and so it. Jonathan Quick is the guy they want to hold on to the most of those three players. So Kings fans, I think, respect all three of those, but 27%, he received the least number of votes, mm-hmm. is Jonathan Quick. They love him the most. They want to keep him. That's the number that's going to be retired right. one day. And then Jeff Carter at 33%, people still want to hold on to him. I'm still getting tweeted he's about putting, it. He's putting goals on the board, John. All-star game, Jeff Carter. I'm changing mm-hmm. up from all he does is score to all-star game, Jeff Carter. I thought Sean Walker was going to the All-Star game. No, I asked you, I asked you, should Sean Walker? That's not my vote. That's Boomer's vote, okay? Boomer loves to text me and talk all about Sean Walker. Okay, great. He's going to get a Sean Walker jersey, I think, or something. Nope, but I think it should be Jeff Carter because I don't need to see Kopitar at the All-Star game. Uh, Drew would be great, but I just don't know. Uh, So send Jeff Carter. It'll be a lot of fun. Be fun for everybody. Um, Except for Jeff. Well, plus, plus, you get, you know, you have a lot of uh, other teams that are there and, and management and everything. So, you know, Jeff could interview for just Oh, he potential. could the pump. Yeah, he could be, yeah. He could make his own market. Remember when? He could interview with the teams he wants to be traded to. Do you remember when Timu Solani went to the All-Star game when he was with Winnipeg? What happened? Yep. Soon thereafter, Paul Correa lobbied the Ducks to trade for Timu Solani because they became BFFs. So there you go. Jeff could find his new BFF at the All-Star game. See? 
Problem solved. I have it covered from all angles, yeah, you TV. You do. You truly do. Alec Martinez at 39%. Uh, and, and Alec Martinez is probably going to get you a second and a third round yeah. draft pick or something yeah. comparable. So it could be two seconds because well, the market could dictate. I, I think the offer from, and Dave mentioned this on the hot stove earlier today, I think the offer from Montreal was a, a prospect, and it's already prospect. I'm not sure who it would have been, and a second round pick. Perfect. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. Sign for that. There you go. Uh, one more here to wrap up Pola Palooza for this edition, the Colin Frazier edition of uh, our <laughs> holiday. Uh, Whatever, what is it? A holiday smorgasbord we're going to give you guys. You guys don't even know what's coming. But but I'm not going to tell you. It was about the goalie tandem. This one was interesting. I said, uh, which goalie tandem would you prefer after the trade deadline? Now, you can read between the lines and figure this out. (laughs) So, (laughs) would you prefer the goalie tandem of Jonathan Quick and Cal, uh, excuse me, Jonathan Quick and Jack Campbell as Mm -hmm. the Kings goalie tandem? Would you prefer Jonathan Quick and Cal Peterson? Or would you prefer Campbell and Cal Peterson? And overwhelming, almost 90% of the votes went to one of the Cal Peterson tandems. Okay. And it was a dead split. 43% prefer Cal Peterson with Jonathan Quick, and 42% prefer Cal Peterson with Jack Campbell. Really? So what that tells me, if I extrapolate this, is that if I was to poll Kings fans, which goalie would you like to see LA trade, Jonathan Quick or Jack Campbell, there's a split. split. Half of them want to see Campbell. With, with Peterson, and the other half want to see Jonathan Quick with Peterson. Yeah. But I, the way the backup goaltending market is right now, you could probably get an overpayment for Jack Campbell. Oh, I think you can. Yeah, I, 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 this, really, I can't even believe these words are going to come out of my mouth, ahead. but I think you could get more for Jack Campbell right now than, than you can for Jonathan Quick. It's such yeah. a wacky world that I even have to say that openly. Like, how is that it's possible? It's context because it's contracts. It's capital. Oh, definitely. It's oh, for sure. And Absolutely. It's, and it's a backup, like, because Jack is better suited for a backup goaltender. I mean, you're not going to trade for a guy with a 5-6 cap hit to play, you know, 10 or 15 games down the stretch, but you look at a team like Toronto. And maybe they can host Toronto. Toronto should be trading for 32. Toro- okay, wow. if Toronto... Here's what I'm, I'm going to give you my, my, my Jonathan Quick speech once again. Go ahead, please. I think that Jonathan Quick has another Stanley Cup in him with a, with a different team, not with the LA Kings. Right. And I will say this, DB, there are only about five elite goalies in the NHL. And you could argue who those five are. After you get to about the sixth goalie, there is a step down. Yeah. There are 16 teams, Right. Yep. That make the playoffs, mm-hmm. 16 teams. So not even half of those teams that make the playoffs have a legitimate elite goaltender, but they're playoff teams. And all these guys are out there chasing, I got to add a forward. I have to add yeah. a defenseman, right? But so few of them are looking to add a goaltender. If I was one of those teams that wasn't one of the truly, five, that had one of the five elite goaltenders, and I'm sitting there trying to think, how am I going to shore my team up to help put me over the edge? I can yeah. get a forward, I can get a defenseman, but everybody else is doing that. What about improving your goaltending situation? Yeah. Because, man, Jonathan Quick, you know, he's a guy who we know in a seven-game series. It wouldn't series. happen here, but you talk about that, and we talked to Eric Erlinson on SiriusXM today. Like, the biggest issue with Tampa Bay is their goaltender. The guy who, you know, they gave a nine, what, $9 million over $1 million next year, a long-term extension. So I agree with you. There are very few that have won big games in big spots, right? So is he going to go to Tampa? No, but could he help another team somewhere? They probably could. And the cash cost, I keep saying this too, the cash cost versus the cap hit, his cap cost, uh, excuse me, his cash cost Mm -hmm. next year, three and a half, the following year, three, the following year, two and a half. That is very uh, price effective for that goaltender from a cash perspective. I know the cap side, but maybe you could even get the Kings to retain some of that money as well. And everybody keeps talking about saving until the Seattle expansion draft. We need to get this through everybody's head. 
there is no guarantee that Seattle could, is going to yeah. take him. There are going to be 31 goaltenders, or 30 goaltenders, because I yeah. think Vegas isn't part of it, 30 goaltenders minimum yeah. that are going to be available to select. It's no guarantee no that Jonathan Quick is going to Seattle. Look, they could definitely use him in Edmonton. Of course. Mike Smith is... <laughs> I watched that game against Pittsburgh. It's just... I mean, he's. He, I think he's on for one year. I mean, that would be the guy. But that, see, but know, that's my point, DB. Yeah. Is there are so many teams that are going to make the playoffs that don't have yeah. a Jonathan Quick. Yeah. They don't. Even yeah. if I'm Arizona, Arizona's been phenomenal. But you have Darcy Kemper there. Like you know, he's doing phenomenal. He's having a great right. year. He's a little bit injured right now. Right. But you look at that team, and they have Ranta as well. But I mean, you're telling me that Arizona wouldn't be more of a playoff team yeah. if they were able to bring in a guy like Jonathan Quick. I'm and not he's saying got they're term, going, right? So you could like Calgary. You could bring back Cam Talbot, put Jonathan Quick in and play with Riddich. Yeah, fine. And then get some, you know, you obviously get some a pick for him or whatever for taking on that contract. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think there are teams out there that have question marks in net. He would be a solid guy. And, John, now he's healthy. Now he's playing well. Right? The, the last couple of weeks, he's been lights out, he's DB. Been he's been phenomenal. Right? He's, been, he's more, been phenomenal. He's been great. The team's gotten better in front of him, obviously. But he's made some really big saves that... Look like Jonathan Quick saves, mm-hmm. to be totally honest with you. And I'm not trying to run the guy out of town. I'm just saying Cal Peterson is the heir apparent. He yeah. will be the starting goaltender. Right. And at what point is John, a guy as competitive as Jonathan Quick, at what point is he going to be comfortable taking that backup role in Los Angeles? I, I don't know. So yeah. that makes it difficult for a guy like Cal Peterson, who is an NHL goalie playing in the American Hockey League. And he's League. not 21 years old either, Cal. No, and you is remember you remember back to Slava Voinov, he was yeah. an NHL defenseman playing in the American League because they had to wait to create a spot for him, right. which they did with the trading of Jack Johnson. Cal yep. Peterson's kind of in the same position. He is an NHL caliber goaltender right. playing in the American League right now, waiting for a spot to open. And that spot's going to open either at the trade deadline yep. or at the draft. But come July 1st, one of Jonathan Quick and or Jack, uh, Cam- not and or, but or Jack Campbell mm-hmm. will not be with the LA Kings. Agreed. So I, you, I, for me, I would hope that they would be able to get a deal done by the trade deadline. So DB, yep. that's a wrap on episode 16. We have some uh, some more great music to uh, to wrap up here. Colin Frazier, yep. uh, this episode was great, DB, and Absolutely. look forward to doing another one with you. Very, yeah, look out, very fans. soon. <laughs> we got some plans for you, fans. We'll talk to you soon. Where the treetops glisten and children listen to hear slave bells in the snow. With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Excludes sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroByTMobile.com.